Flashback 64 is the podcast where Gooey, McKenna, and friends flashback to the 90s and early 2000s with a look at the Nintendo 64's catalog. Starting with the console's launch titles and proceeding in release order, they discuss each game and the contemporary cultural and historical context. We discuss games such as Super Mario 64, GoldenEye, Ocarina of Time, and many more iconic titles, along with the lesser-known games. Follow us on Twitter at Flashback64Pod and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. The whole band is back once again. Andy Spiteri, Dakota Lasky, Duminal Crossing. How are you, gentlemen, on this fine holiday in Canada, and apparently not a holiday in the United States of America? How you guys? Wait, doing? what? What can? What holiday is it? <laughs> wait, 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 is it Civic Holiday? It's it's. That's uh, what my calendar says. Yeah. I want to say it's like it's Heritage Day or like something like oh, that. Okay. It, it's one of those like fakakta holidays that that people make up just because they want like a long weekend, you know. It's not. It's yeah. not a real holiday. We need more of those, I think. Yeah. Side. I love those. They're uh, great. I agree. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess I'll kick it off. Um. I'm doing good. Um. This past weekend there was a lot of. I mean, I just honestly just hung out this past weekend, but there's a lot of good stuff to watch. We were just talking. And SummerSlam was on. Evo was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past weekend there was a big Halo tournament. Um. There was a lot of. St- I I spent my whole Sunday watching the top uh, sixes from Evo, which was sick. Um. I also got another Destiny Two Solo Flawless Dungeon run in, and. I don't know if there's any Neil Breen fans out there. If you're a movie movie fan, okay. Love so, Neil Breen. <laughs> okay, so I saw I finally saw Oppenheimer, which was that was pretty good. Oh, but I'm not a Neil Breen film. <laughs> not a Neil Breen. Well, I, I I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. Like it just didn't like. Hold on. I guess because I don't don't spoil anything. Not that no, I'm, I'm sure not gonna, there's spoilers. I'm not spoiling but... it. I'm just I thought it was pretty good. It didn't like blow me away. Um, okay. But I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, but I'm going to see Cade, the tortured crossing by Neil Breen this Thursday at the Alamo draft house. The first time I've ever seen a Neil Breen movie in theaters. Oh, nice. Um, I'm super excited. I'm probably going to watch some of the movies. Not all of them. I don't need to watch all of them, but maybe a couple before, um, before that. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'll report back next week. And then finally, uh, doom. I know that's probably more pertinent to you. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show last week, but I've been trying to get into dread speed running lately. I know you kind of do that a little bit too. Um, yeah, we've been going back and forth in like that new, uh, dread speed run category you made mm-hmm. in our discord server. Yes. We've been chatting about it a lot. I regret speed running Metroid dread boss rush mode. No turbo. I did not realize it's like, Oh, five minutes speed run easy. I could totally do this. Like, like an idiot thinking I could just do this waltz right in. And then it's like, um, oh, I, wait, I got Carpal Tunnel now. When I've literally never done that in anything ever. Uh, yeah, and then my hand, like, is is killing me. So I'm I'm thinking, like, ah, do I really want it that bad? I'm going to keep uh, going at it because you, you posting clips. I'm like, I want to at least post some of my own clips and get some runs in. So I'm still I'm still motivated there. But, yeah, I've been doing that as well. There you go. Echoing off a uh, deck, like, yeah, despite the fact that this is the year of Metroid Prime Remastered, like, 
Man, this year, I've just been, like, super into Metroid Dread this year, going back into the boss rush mode in particular, and just... Man, I've just been having so much fun just grinding it out. I haven't even necessarily... I haven't even gotten to the point where I'm looking up other speedruns yet. Like, I'll probably do that eventually and, you know, use that to improve myself. But I'm just kind of just doing it on my own right now and just seeing what mm -hmm. I can do without any outside Self-made runner. Help. Self yeah, exactly, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's just and it's just kind of been fun just do, doing that, you know? You know, posting clips, seeing everyone's reactions, you know, seeing other people like you get, get into as well has been super fun. And uh, today I actually did some boss rush in uh, uh, on my computer, which was super fun. Doing some boss rush in 4K 60. You love oh, to man. see it. <laughs> you know what? I I love that actually. Specifically you, Dak, because for a while it, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, I played Metro Dread, but it didn't connect with me, and I, I don't know when I'm gonna play it again. So I, I, that makes me happy that both of you guys are uh, are getting back into it. Uh, which is ironic because I I feel like. I, I feel like of the three of us, maybe it's fair to say I'm, I'm maybe the biggest fan of Metroid Dread, but I, I haven't played it in forever since I did the walkthrough for the mm -hmm. site because I like I played pretty, so much in a short time. I'm a pretty time. big fan of really. It's just like you, you take the the music and the story aside, and Dread I think is like one of the best Metroid games. So I'm I'm a huge fan of Metroid Dread. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean I like Metroid Dread as well. I'm not. I mean I'm probably the lowest of the of fandom. Out of the three of us, but I think the thing is too is that like when I grew up, grew up playing a majority of the Metroid games I did. Like I had less games back then. There were less games at the time. Nowadays, like it's hard for me to even for games I really like, unless it's like a game that you're you sink 60, 70, 80, 100 hours into to play, mm -hmm. kind of move on from it, or I have some kind of addiction to it, like Destiny or some multiplayer games. So that's why I play it all the time. So like. It's like I don't like Dread. It's just not a game that like I gotta play this all the time until sure. I start picking up the the speed running thing, um, which I've actually am now thinking I'm just gonna do another casual playthrough of it, which is which is cool. Because um, yeah, I can kind of separate the the story and and the music. It is what it is. The gameplay is still a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's just I, I these days I just love sitting on my computer and, and and mouse and keyboard and playing. And now I have another reason to play my switch with like a regular controller because usually it's just smash brothers now i've been playing a lot of metroid dread i i should look into metroid primary master speed running as well but dread dread like 2d metroid speed running is dope and and we talked about this you know in the discord behind the scenes a little bit too is maybe doing a little bit of some speed running oriented episodes in the future and mm -hmm. there's a lot to talk about especially just in 2d speed running uh 2d metroid speed running alone not even just the entire franchise it's a lot of cool awesome stuff so i was like oh, i want to i want to give it a try like Probably not going to get a good time, but like, screw it. Let's see what yeah, exactly. See what yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, or sorry, you go, Andy. No, I, I was going to kind of transition away, actually, and just kind of uh, talk Andy's about Metroid Dread. Andy's a speedrunner. I'm speedrunning the show. Speed run to the next <laughs> section of this episode. Well, uh, I was going to segue, actually, because you, you teed me right up talking about 2D Metroid speedruns. There was, uh, in fact, uh, a new Super Metroid speedrun world record set this, uh, this last week, and it was something like, absolutely insane it was like 40 minutes and a handful of seconds i don't have it in front of me but uh, by by oats and goats who's who's done you know he, 40 he's minutes and 36 like, seconds oh my god any percent super metroid run a world record two days ago yeah one he, of the good he's probably who you think of when when you think of super metroid speed running or metroid speed running or arguably just speed running in general like i think of like him, I think of uh, Zost and all those kind of those guys that have been around seemingly for forever. Mm -hmm. So, so that happened. So it seems like speedrunning has kind of uh, gained a little bit of momentum, no pun intended, in uh, in our Discord server the last couple of days. 
Yeah, it's definitely been a little bit of a, a renewed interest in. I mean, you mentioned Zost. I'm pretty sure Oats and Goats just took the, the, the world, world record, record from, him, yeah. from from him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm look. I'm on speedrun.com. Yeah, four minutes and thirty six seconds. Um, and that's just any percent. I'm pretty sure he is in the top ten for a hundred percent run for mm-hmm. a low percent. He's in the top four. So I mean, just like Zost and some others, are definitely a, a prolific speedrunner. And yeah. I'd love to jump into more of his stuff too. And you mentioned Zost as well. Also, Zost, not Oats and Goats who set the record, but Zost was one of the members or one of the racers in the AGDQ 2014 Super Metroid Showcase race, which is my favorite speedrun of all time. And one I hope we get to talk about on the show um, at some point in the future that was ran against Garrison, Ivan, and, and Krauser. So, really, really awesome run. Uh, but shouts to Oats and Goats for that record. That was really sick. Crazy record. I, I beat Super Metroid in like an hour and change once and i felt like a rock star i was just i was walking around like this i was like i'm so awesome and like Mm -hmm. these guys are like 20 minutes off of that and it's absolutely wild to to see that um but actually speaking of metro dread uh we actually have like a ton of of metro dread stuff to get into today um and but first i actually want to to tee up an episode for next week and, and one that i'm actually really really excited about and uh and i'm gonna set the table a little bit here if you remember about a year ago, I did an episode where uh, I, I kind of retold the story of Metroid Other M while using the same general framework of of the premise of Other M, which which I've always kind of maintained is like, you know, decent. Um, and we're going to do that next week with Metroid Dread, specifically these two gentlemen here who I think took umbrage with a lot of the, the story elements of Metroid Dread. Um are going to we're gonna have a show where we're essentially script doctoring and, and presenting you the Metro Dread that that each Dak and Doom wishes that they could have seen. I'm like I'm really stoked about this. I uh I, I'm really I'm really excited to see what you guys come up with. Simultaneously excited and nervous because it's like man <laughs> Because it's like, man, what if I put my heart and soul to this and everyone just despises it? Like, Doom, that is you know what? the worst fan... That is the worst Tumblr fan fiction I've heard in my life. Why did you utter that out of your mouth? That's happened that's before on this be show, <laughs> and, and that's okay. I've had some ideas, and I remember Dak just being like, that's garbage. That sucks. <laughs> and maybe they did, but, like, you know, it's it's just... It's fun to think of anyways. Hey. I'm I'm not prone to my own garbage, awful, sucky ideas myself. Um, <laughs> Doom, I'll say to you that in this case, make the Metroid game that that you want. Who cares what other people think? You're That's the right. only you're the only user, the only consumer of this game. But I have been thinking about that because I'm like, do I want to do the story that I really want, or the one that I want, but also makes sense um, in terms of how the ending of Fusion is interpreted, or, mm. so or interpreted um, based on you know what you're reading and whatnot so i'm kind of been thinking about that like should i do one that like do i have to accept how maybe a certain aspect of a story actually was presented or meant to be presented versus what how it actually was um who knows so i gotta think about that but yes we'll uh we'll do a little a light light treatment if you will i'm not gonna write a script or anything but i will i will do a a detailed synopsis at least i would have to imagine for that Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely doesn't need a script since I mean Metroid isn't really a series based on dialogue, other MSI. So you mostly just need. It wouldn't have to be a long you know, script. Bol- yeah, no. exactly. Just bullet no. points. <laughs> it could be a pretty and... short script. Yeah. You know, you only need a couple of scenes and just throw them at random points in the story. Screw it. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see what you guys come up with. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's always cool to see those creative juices flowing. And while we're on the Metro Dread Train, um, mm. a little bit of news. Although, as best as I can tell, this is still unconfirmed. But uh, it seems like Metro Dread has officially passed the 3 million mark. Uh, cementing itself as the best-selling Metroid game. Um, Mercury Steam CEO uh, Enric Alvarez had Enrique. A, uh, Enrique, he's okay. He he had an interview where he he said something. Uh, he actually said it, he said a bunch of things, and I really don't think he came off very well um, at all, actually. But one of the key things that he said was, um, you know, I, I'm actually going to read the uh, the quote in full because he he kind of tied it into the reports that there is a lot of. You know, there there's a lot of like not great working conditions at Mercury Steam, which which is a story that seemed to kind of come and then get swept under the rug really quick. So, um, this this was this was his quote. We have an excellent understanding of each other. I think that it's fair to say that over time we became friends, and they are super talented people, super hardworking people. Uh, they have work ethic that is unbeatable. They are open to accept new ideas, and we never ceased to suggest and propose ideas. I don't think the development was chaotic. Chaotic development doesn't end with one of the best games in the franchise. It doesn't end with a game that has sold over 3 point something million copies. It doesn't end with a game that won TGA awards. That's all I have to say about that. So I want to stand on my soapbox for just a quick second here. I was going to say, let's hear what you think about what was just said before we move on. So, first of all, uh, I I don't know about you guys, but like, I, I just like inherently... Don't trust a CEO. I don't, he could be the nicest guy in the world, but if, if there's a CEO saying one thing and a worker saying another, I'm going to believe the worker over the CEO. Uh, second of all, I, I feel like he just he didn't come off very well because he seemed very dismissive, and he literally is is not acknowledging the series' own history where you have you know an extremely chaotic development of a little game called Metroid Prime, which won all these awards, which sold three point some million copies, which did everything Metroid Dread did, and so like I, I feel like those two things can be true at the same time, where you have this amazing quality game, which Dread is, and you can maybe have a, a working environment that is not so harmonious. Um, so I thought that he came off not that great in this interview, but the important thing to, to note here is that he is saying that like the game has officially surpassed three million copies. Uh, Doom, we were kind of chatting. I-, I couldn't find any, like, sales figures from Nintendo uh, to support this. But I, but he's probably right. I mean, it's been at 2.9 for, like, the last year. So from what I understand, in the recent sales report that was just released that kind of showed Tears of the Kingdom hitting 18 million. Which, by the way, Tears of the Kingdom at 18 million. That is disgusting. That is can I, can I interject to tell you guys a story really quick? <laughs> and I, I'm going to look like the biggest goof in the world here. But like, so in the, about like, about a year before Tears of the Kingdom came out, I was, you know, because I do the Zelda cast. And it can be frustrating when you have this big game and know nothing about it for like three plus years. So I'm on my soapbox and I'm just like, this game is going to sell less than half of what Breath of the Wild is because people are tired of not knowing anything about it. Nobody knows. Man, oh man, oh man. It's going to outsell Breath of the Wild in like a year. <laughs> Anyways, but anyway, but anyways, get, getting back to the main topic though. So, um, from what I understand, the sales, um, the sales data of Metroid um, Dread was revealed to be three point zero four million as of December twenty twenty two. In that same report, I looked through the financial data and the documents, and I couldn't find anything. But there's also like a ton of information and material to sift through, and it's not the easiest 
it's not the easiest to access um, for the consumer. So I could very well just have missed something. But from what I heard, that recent sales report is where those um, is where those official hard stats were revealed. But um, but yeah, but going on to the comments made by um, Alvarez, I 100% agree. I think that was super out of pocket and just definitely like, well, because like not only is it dismissive, like those two things are completely unrelated to each other. Like, like, you yeah. know, you can have like you like, I mean, we've heard so many stories about, you know, incredible genre defining games that have just had, you know, the most heartless and just brutal crime. I mean, you know, The Last of Us Part Two is a big one. You know, that's a, you know regardless of your personal thoughts on it i think most people would argue that like critically that's going to be a generational defining game and another defining fact about that game is the insane amount of crunch and the pressure that was put on naughty dog and so you know obviously like you know the, you know the quality of a game has nothing to do with you know the working conditions of the staff and you know to just dismiss it like that i think is just super gross yeah yeah, I don't really have too much to, to add to that. I think we can all agree that obviously there can be games that have chaotic development be good, chaotic development be bad, and vice versa and all that. Um, unless he's unless he's trying to say low-key that Metroid Prime is not one of the best games in the franchise by saying... <laughs> That's bold. Like, that, that, by how he's saying it, but I doubt it. I mean, this... I don't know like what the context. I've just kind of read like the the articles reporting on it. I'm sure, It just kind of comes off as like an emotional response. I don't think there's necessarily much like actual substance and logic behind it just trying to kind of defend the project um i, I think we can take the sold over three million something copies at face value though i mean mm. i don't see the reason why that would be an emotional response or a lie and i think we can all agree that like it was at pretty much three million it was going to surpass three million one way or another um and essentially needed to sell less than a million units over the course of almost a year to do that um if not a year so yeah not really a surprise um it does make it the best-selling metroid game of all time which is really cool that the newest game has done that i think that bodes well for the franchise um you could be pedantic and and maybe make an argument that technically metroid prime has sold more if you include trilogy and metroid prime remastered and all that but i think as an individual title metroid dread obviously takes the cake there so Mm. um yeah i mean it was kind of like like all the the chaotic development stuff like kind of like left the news cycle obviously as metroid dread did so it's kind of interesting how he just kind of like brought it right back up again um not to say that people have necessarily forgotten about it just not really you know on top of mind Mm. but yeah the three million mark that was really uh kind of case closed i know some people were talking about that that like it doesn't really have much of a like a tail in terms of its sales it was super front reloaded and then didn't really have a lot of sales afterward but I'm not super surprised by that either, um, considering it's a smaller single-player game on the Switch for a mid, like mid-popularity Nintendo franchise. I don't think it's going to be one of those games that, you know, yeah. like Elden Ring. It's out a year later, and it's, and it's still and a at the top game, of the Steam charts, something like that, and a 2D game. Yeah, so. Um, you know, I, I don't yeah. think 2D has much to do with it, but I, I mean, you're right. I think it's, it does. I think it does. I, I think I, for the, I mean, for for us, it doesn't. But I think for like the general, like outside of the Metroid fandom consumer base, I think it does. Yeah, I mean that's where I, I mean, a lot maybe, of the price but like, tag stuff like kind of came from. Like that whole discussion is: is Metroid Dread worth the full price thing? Like a lot of that kind of stems from it being a 2D platformer. When people are like, why am I paying sixty dollars for a 2D platformer? I could pay sixty dollars for this big open world 3D RPG that is a hundred hours of gameplay and all this stuff, blah blah blah. And that's kind of like so. I I do think I, I agree with Doom. Like yeah, for more maybe hardcore dedicated fans of the series or gamers in general, sure. But like for 
especially the larger audience and like the larger gaming industry at like you know whatever like that i think definitely plays a role into it i i'm not convinced of that but but i don't want to spend any more time talking about that i think like you know you're right like it it it's front loaded obviously um and it doesn't it rarely goes on sale uh, like almost never mm-hmm. and like there's no dlc for it so it it doesn't not make sense that yeah. the you know the sales are close to what they were a couple months after it came out and i would say you're probably going to see the same thing with metroid prime i think it's sold about as much as it's going to sell metroid prime remastered that that is i think yeah. it's sold about as much as it's going to sell unless it goes on like a really awesome wicked sale or something like that so yeah, I could I could see during the holidays Metroid Prime Remastered maybe getting a little bit of a push or like a, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of a bump because it's already like on sale by being forty dollars so to speak. So like I could see it maybe like Nintendo like putting it into like a holiday like here's the games you should get. It's only forty dollars, blah blah, and seeing a little bit of a bump there. I could see small spikes happening when the uh, when the Metroid Prime Four marketing cycle happens. That's kind of where yeah. I see like some little some little bumps there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. We haven't had like a marketing push for Metroid since Dread came out because Remastered didn't have one. So neither Dread nor Remastered got that kind of bump from something like that. Uh, well, we we'll see. We'll we'll see if when uh, when Prime Four kind of gets going into gear here, if if maybe that helps Metroid Prime Remastered and Metroid Dread. Maybe it's just Metroid Prime. But uh, we're not done with Metroid Dread today. Because one of our favorite segments returns, and we are here today to analyze one of, I actually think it's probably the best area in Metroid Dread, Ferenia. Uh, so let's let's get going here. Mapping Metroid is on, and this week is all about the destroyed Chozo city of Ferenia. So let's, uh, let, let's get started here, and let's talk about, uh, maybe we should just say like, just very quick first initial impressions, and then we can talk a little bit more uh, specific. But I, I think like this is probably my my favorite area because it's an area that you don't get um, you don't get a lot of other areas like this in the series. I, I don't feel like it almost reminds me of Sanctuary Fortress in a way where it's like kind of this like almost like technological like it's an advanced city that that used to be something and you know i think you look at metroid prime and and even the other areas of metroid dread and they're they're very like video game kind of levels you got like the forest level fire level Mm -hmm. water level right like this one just feels a little bit different stands out a little bit more to me has a sense of like like history to it a little bit so uh, this this very quickly for me became one of my favorite areas and i think it probably has the best music track in the game as well uh, Doom, go ahead. I want to hear what you want to. You have to say. Yeah, I de- definitely not my favorite music, um, but I do. Th- I do in- am inclined to agree that I think this is the best area in the game. I think it's also really unique for a Chozo area too, because you know, pr- prior to Metroid Prime Three, you know, most of the Chozo areas were like Chozo ruin style areas, and they all kind of I don't want to say they blended together, but they all had very similar theming. And then Skytown came in, and this was a, you know a brand new take on a Chozo area where you know you kind of had these you know steampunk elements, and now you know here you have um you know here you have Ferenia, and you you almost have this avant garde like royal kind of kind of thing which we've never really seen with the Chozo before and it kind of makes sense with the Machim where you know you know it's mm. it's this very authoritarian like leader type of tribe and so it kind of makes sense to you know to have this almost cult like worship you know you have these effigies and these statues of of you know these almost uh of these almost deified like leaders in the background but then 
you know, and then you also have all the destroyed tapestry, you know, to kind of, which kind of tells the story about, you know, the battleground that happened beforehand versus the Chozo and the X, which I think that the environmental storytelling in this area alone is probably some of the best in the game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it, I mean, you both kind of boiled it down to what I was going to say, which is that it actually has some kind of lore and story implications as opposed to being just kind of a generic video game area. Um, and yeah, that's a good point. It, it stands apart from like kind of the traditional Chozo, you know, architecture and, and aesthetic that you would associate it with, which makes sense because it's more Malkin than the other Chozo we've seen in the series previously, which are not necessarily Malkin. So um yeah i i like i like this area I, I mean it certainly does not have the best music <laughs> but um you, you don't think that this is the best music in the game i oh, mean it all close. blends together okay. like there i don't think there is a best it's, music in the it's game nowhere, <laughs> it's nowhere near the worst music in the game i'll tell it like it's it's okay it's fine i don't yeah. hate it but Dyron's probably a better track actually Nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the actual just like quickly layout of uh, of this area. One thing that uh, again it's kind of unique to Frenia in in a in a way is like there you can get there earlier in the game, but you're very limited in in where you can actually go mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and so like you you actually like essentially you have one way in and one way out of, of this area until you kind of accrue all of your power-ups and then you can go back to the, the point that you came in originally it feels like very um i don't know like like on, on an island almost uh to into itself because like you you have to go through gavrin and, and really Ferenia is pretty much the last really big area that that you need to explore before you can finally reach the surface of the planet which which again kind of makes it feel a little bit special to me because the rest of the areas are you know they're more or less uh, interconnected with each other as you would find in a typical metroid game where, where this one just feels a little bit removed almost and that that's always kind of stuck out to me for uh for as a as a distinctive factor about frenia yeah, I like that there's a little bit of like a tease, a little bit of a taste at the beginning, mm. um, which does set you up of like there's a little bit of anticipation. You know, you're obviously going to be digging more into a planet that is very clearly occupied by Chozo. Um, whereas at that point in the game, you're still kind of moving through the world. They're all interconnected, but you're still kind of piecing together and, you know, what's going to happen. And that's one of the first parts of the game where you really, aside from the game, you know, having like the cutscene with Raven Beak and whatnot, like, kind of gives you a little more of, of a clue of what you're going to be jumping into next, um, which is cool. And and something that I think Metro does uh, well, not only from a gameplay sense, from a storytelling sense as well. So there's um there's a guy named Arcade Redux and you know kind of kind of going back into the music of the game for a second. I'm not I'm I promise I'm not going to like poo poo on the music too hard. But um but there's a guy named Arcade Redux who's been like doing new interpretations of music for Metroid Dread. And one thing that he proposed in Ferenia that I totally agree with is I think the first trip that you go there, I think it would have benefited a lot more to have a more subtle ambient track rather than playing the main theme. I think it would have been more appropriate for that first visit to just give you a little taste and then play that main theme on your second trip once it becomes like an opened up area. You mm. know, kind of a good example. Mm. Like Super I Metroid. Think at the beginning yeah super super metroid 2 i was i was thinking of samus returns where you start off with that that original surface theme before it goes back into that 
original Metroid 2 tunnel theme, but that little subtle surfaces thing, something kind of like that when you first enter the area, um, I think would be more appropriate to fit that scene. Mm, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I I can't say that that stuck out to me, but uh, I don't disagree. Like when, like super, when you said that Super Metroid immediately sticks out to me, the music that plays until you get the Morph Ball, then, you know, the main themes kind of kick back in. Um, could have been pretty cool, especially considering the gravity of the uh, the cutscene that you're about to see when you go in there. Um, I want to talk about some of the uh, some of the individual rooms in Frenia, some of my favorite rooms. And again, I'm going to complain about this until the day I die. But like, I wish, God, I wish a 2D Metroid had like names for rooms because it's you yeah, spend man. half the time trying to describe the room so people can know what you're actually talking about, which is aggravating. That's um, why I like doing Metroid Prime mapping Metroid yeah, because it's, it's way easy. easier to do yeah. the first two sections of these shows Ugh. for those games. Just saying, which is why I don't have a lot of notes. Um, <laughs> the the big room with all the enemies. Yeah, I, I think that's the room everybody yeah. thinks about, right? Let's let's just call I I called that like the main hall when I was writing the walkthrough, which I think is like a fine name, and it's like it's like the big massive room. It's it's one of the biggest rooms in the game. And uh, it's it's full, chock-a-block full of different enemies, different boss fights, different obstacles, stuff like that. I, I think that, I think that I, I probably speak for almost everyone saying, like, that's the room that I think of when I think of Ferenia. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, yeah. Another, another room that I, uh, it, it's actually not a room, it's, it's more so like a series of rooms, or like, I, I guess like a pathway, but I always thought that the, uh, that like the the tunnel it's not really quite a tunnel but it's it looks it's extra ruiny like it looks like extra beat up the 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 pathway that you take on your way to fight Eskew, i always thought it looked like really really cool really disheveled really just kind of in ruin in in a way where even like the main hallway still looks like very grandoise very very regal and put together and, and majestic in a way this one just looks like this something just tore right through it and it looks very ruinous uh, I, I really kind of like the aesthetic of that room, and it's got like a really cool background going on too, like a little bit of stormy skies and stuff like that. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I think so. Like I, I specifically right before you fight Esco, I like how you kind of go to like this balcony area, and you can see like some of the caves in the background. Yeah, before. yeah, 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 yeah. And you can actually see Esco flying in the background as well to kind of like foreshadow the the incoming fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it's not a room either, but I did want to shout out. I think that the tram cars in this area, even more so than any other area, I don't. They just look really cool to me. I don't know why, but I just like. Maybe it's because you you pull up and you can immediately start like doing this like cool shine spark puzzle. But for some reason, I I think that the the tram cars just look super super sweet. And I would say this as well, talking about rooms in Frenia. I think I would. I think I could be comfortable saying that this is probably the best emmy zone in the game and probably the most challenging emmy zone in the game because it's it's a lot of it is submerged in water and you do some like really cool like spider-man stuff with your grapple hook like getting around underwater and you're and you're fighting off the emmy which we'll talk about later but uh i I think for my money this is probably the the emmy zone that i enjoyed the most i don't know if you guys would agree with that or not there's definitely, it feels like an obstacle course, like more than the other ones in a mm. lot of ways. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like this one. And it's one where it like require, I mean, yeah, I believe it requires the the gravity, like you need the, the grapple and you need the gravity suit for this one. I'm mm. pretty sure. Or at least the very least the grapple beam um, to zip around. So 
yeah, this is this is a cool one, and it's also with a cool uh, Emmy with a cool paint job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like that paint job. I was gonna say this is definitely my favorite Emmy zone. I will say. On Dread Mode, I think the blue Emmy is a little more difficult just because that turns into a one-hit kill if it even sees you because of the ice. But we're not talking mm. about Gavern today, so we won't go into that. But, again, this is my favorite Emmy zone. I think, um, you know, Dak, I think you summed it up really well by calling it, like, an obstacle course. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. you, know, you, you know, you visit this on multiple trips, and, and it, you quite a, there's a, quite a bit of distance when you first meet the Emmy and when you actually get to defeat it, which um, you don't usually see. It's usually you meet the enemy, you you meet the Emmy, and then very soon you you, you kill it and you get the power up. This one, this one, you, you play a game of cat and mouse for a, mm-hmm. a fairly decent bit of time before you actually have the means to finally take it out. And I, I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to say too, something's telling me that you have to go through this without the gravity suit as well. I think uh, you do. do your first yeah. your yeah. first run you do yeah which yeah. which yeah. I think I feel like is very like just intense and and you're really right like the Emmy zone doesn't feel like other Emmy zones because like I feel like in, in all the other Emmy zones you you can kind of like explore a little bit more freely as as free as you can in the Emmy zones where this one at least in my playthroughs I always felt like like this Emmy was like right on you right away and it was just like a sprint to get the heck out of there before it shot you which, which it could shoot through walls as well which makes it extra challenging so. Yeah, this is my favorite Emmy zone. Uh, I think actually probably by by a large margin. Um, and then one other thing that sticks out to me in Frenia is that uh, for whatever reason, uh, there's a bunch of rooms that are that are frozen. They're, like they have the submerged temp or uh, the sub zero temperatures rather going on. And uh, there's some pretty cool like puzzles and stuff that you can do in in some of these rooms. But it, it kind of seems weird that they're frozen. I don't know if there's like a good reason for it or not, but. No room in particular, because there's more than a few of them, but they, they stick out to me as well. Yeah, I honestly don't remember why they are. <laughs> I, mean, I don't is think that, there's a reason. Do you, do you encounter that after you fight the the big, crazy, the Z2L whatever one that like has destroyed or like taken care of the reactor or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, you can't access the... um. Well, well, you can access the ice areas if you're speedrunning, but the game doesn't want you to access the ice areas until after you get gravity suit which you would have by the time you face that mm-hmm, yeah. yeah um all right well those those are the rooms that kind of stick out to me i feel like those are most of the big ones did i miss anything or, or should we move on um i don't know i was going to talk about shine spark puzzles i don't know if you want to save that for well, later. we'll save it for later yeah yeah we'll save okay. it for later um let, let's talk about uh let's talk about some of the lore of the city we touch on it a little bit and uh again just a very cool, very different area. You can, as you kind of pointed out, the the layout and like all the 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 imagery and stuff like that really suggests that this is like a, it's almost like a kingdom rather than like a city. It, it seems like very like regal and and uh, fantastical and and obviously it's in disarray. This is where the Mocked tribe kind of made their home before Ravenbeak brought those dang ex parasites back over. Um, but it still has like a. Like it's ruined, but it's not like destroyed. I think it looks, yeah. You know, it actually looks like almost like Castlevania esque, where it, like it looks like like it's falling apart, but like still this majestic kind of regal space. Yeah, the I think the I mean the word ruin is used I think a couple times to describe the area, and I guess it is true because sometime a few years has passed since like the out the X outbreak happened, and it is technically ruined in some aspects, but it comes across as more like dilapidated abandoned yeah to me um then ruins because when i think of ruins i think of like the chosen ruins or just like ruins in general that have been there for mad long 
even though even the Chozo ruins apparently hadn't been there for really that long either until we got there. But um, I guess a few decades of not lack of maintenance can do that to you. But yeah, it's uh, I thought it was interesting because when I looked this area up a little bit, I obviously remember even from playing it, it's very castle-y. It's like a palace almost. I kind of got like palace temple vibes from it. And apparently, according to the the Metroid Dread reports, that it's some kind of like sanctuary used mm. for like Chozo rituals, which was... Then when I read that, I looked back like, does this really give me like sanctuary and Chozo like rituals vibes? And I guess it, in a way, in a way it doesn't because again, it comes across as more of like a palace or a museum or something. But on the other hand, it was inhabited by the Mokin who are super like, you know, militaristic and like, you know, strict and whatever. Maybe this is the kind of place they'd be doing their weird, you know, rituals and whatnot. It wouldn't exactly look like, you know, something that's closer to like a Thoha or whatever's mm-hmm. going on, on on Talon or or um, an Elysia. So I thought that was in, that was the first thing that uh, caught uh, stood out to me when we were when I was looking this stuff back up. But yeah, it's very like castle-y, palace-y. It's more about like it's more regal then it's it's showboaty compared to like chozo stuff right mm-hmm. um it's very gilded and all of that um and was not it was lived in or whatever not too long ago so it's still pretty intact so you can kind of see almost exactly how it looked pretty much for the most part when the mocking weren't happening yet so um yeah yeah it's uh it's a very very distinct again which is why i think i i like it so much mm-hmm. uh doom any thoughts about just kind of the the overall aesthetic and story implications of this area yeah i like it because it almost gives the sense that like not like a fresh battle has taken place but like you see like a you know as you go through the area you see like the history of like a great battle that took place and that's something that i feel like maybe maybe i could be wrong but off the top of my head i don't recall like any metroid area that really has had anything like that where you can see where you see like you know, the, a story being told of, like, a specific, you know, siege that took place in, you know, this specific location. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you have lore entries about stuff like that, but in terms of, like, the environmental storytelling, I hadn't really seen an environment, like, actually depict stuff like that. So I think, you know, Dread actually embarking on that is, like, a, a really cool and unique avenue. Well, you in a smaller kind of way, Super Metroid kind of has that, right? Because you go through the area where Samus and Mother Brain fought in the first game. Um, yeah, So you kind of have yeah. that. That's, like, I would and that's like the one though. That's kind of like the outlier and it's certainly not a huge battle, but it was a significant battle and there's you walk right through those ruins um which is really cool. But yeah, no, that's a good point. It's definitely something like you kind of see more of like the history of something that didn't really happen too long ago either, which I think is really cool too cuz you're not very far separated from when it actually happened. Mhm. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I I like that a lot actually. And I I just like I like seeing that kind of like these battles that are fought in these unconventional areas in Metroid and it's seeing like the, it's almost like you just missed it. So I, I really dig that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, this is obviously, Can I? yeah, yeah, just go ahead. I was, well, something else that also just occurred to me is, and this is, you know, me just, you know, thinking way too much into it, but something that just occurred to me as well is, you know, you don't typically see battles fought in, like, castles and palaces. Like, that's usually that's usually where someone makes their last stand as well. Mm. So I think the implications of that as well, um, you know, and which uh, which also makes sense in this, you know, by you know by the time Samus gets there, it's just Ravenbeak and Quiet Road. They're the last ones left, basically. 
So I yeah. think that also like makes sense as well. Well, that, that's like a cool element of it too, because yeah. it literally reached everybody but them two. So like, of course, like a fight would break out there as well. And it would have been really cool to maybe even see scenes of that, like maybe a cutscene yes. of like the or the Chozo who are there fighting off the infected Chozo warriors and whatnot that are you know overrunning the whole like the whole palace or whatever. That would have been really cool. That would have been a sick cutscene to have in the game. I, I was gonna suggest it's too bad that like. You know, speaking of Metro Dread not really having uh, support after release, it's too bad that we never got, like, a, a batch of DLC set on ZDR. And, like, you're playing as Ravenbeak, and you're fending off all these ex-parasites. And maybe That's a whole new game. Uh, or, or, like, <laughs> a, a whole new spinoff. And, like, maybe it's, it's, it's almost like DLC Dread is a whole new game. Well, I, like, maybe it's just in Frenny, but, like, I, I don't know, but, like... You know, it, it could you, be like, it could be like you know those little Xenoblade expansions. Like they're still meaty yeah, games, yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. nowhere near as big as like the main games. Yeah, I mean, and, like I think if it you get hit once right. by the X, you're toast because like you don't yeah, have yeah. anything protecting you from them. So like it'd be challenging. Yeah, oh, that'd be that'd Parasite be awesome mode or something. That would be cool. Andy, but... I, I I can't remember if it was you or Dak that I pitched it, but like I I've wanted like a DLC like that in. It kind of starts similar to like the Force Unleashed. I don't know if you guys have played Force Unleashed before. No. I mean, I have, well, but I haven't played it in Mad Long. <laughs> well, the the tutorial level, you, you play as Darth Vader before you play as Starkiller for the rest of the game. But the tutorial level, you're, you're Vader, and you're just kind of slaughtering everything in your path. Like, it's, like, you know, and I feel like that could be, that tutorial level could be Ravenbeak on SR388 with the Chozo. And then the rest of the game could be Ravenbeak, you know, fending off the axe, the, the mm. real threat. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I I mean, honestly, I think, like... I wish that there was just more Metro Dread and more Ravenbeak actually specifically because I uh, I do wish that we that we did get more of him. But well, I would have liked that. I mean, those have been perfect moments in the story to like give us a little bit more of that story. I mean, I remember yeah. the first time I played Dread and even when I played it after that, it was like there's story at the beginning, nothing and then story in the middle. And, you know, like it could have been paced out a little bit more if you had maybe a cutscene like that that kind of dove into like, you know, maybe seeing the outbreak of it all happening from you know beginning to end as like a series of i hate to say flashbacks as i get on zelda's case about that recently but at least it would be supplementing an active story as as opposed to being the whole thing mm -hmm. um that would have been great and it would have been a nice cool like 30 second even little shot it's like show the fight or something like that that'd been really cool um would have been an see, adequate so. replacement for uh, the chozo lord that you get in this game which which is cool because like you see all the pictures and like yeah, but give it, me chozo story on... i don't need lore give me yeah Cho i'm down for chozo story now give me some of that i i think we deserve at least one cutscene of ravenbeak taking out a whole squad of x and then hitting the gritty i think that's ravenbeak could not that was not taking out anybody i'm so i honestly don't believe in a real life raven beak would have been one of the two last survivors i'm sorry hey i've been mocking by himself <laughs> he, he could have easily uh finished samus off if not for his own hubris he no! released it. yeah he literally dies to a single robot chozo warrior does would not defeat you're, samus in any you're, capacity. you're thinking of quiet he, robe i think he did yeah is that what, that what i said no 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 we're talking about quiet yeah i think you're talking about quiet we're talking about raven beak the, the I'm man you're talking, talking about quiet robe. I was talking about quiet robe. Well, well let's, let's also talk about quiet robe. Samus because because Samus beat him. <laughs> wow, hey, there you go. Yeah, quiet robe. He he was not beating anybody, unfortunately. And this is the the area, like you mentioned, deck where where you do get 
Uh, you get quite a bit of exposition from uh, from Quiet. Yeah, oh Robe. yeah, you meet you meet Quiet Robe here for the first time. Yes, I completely. For, I didn't forget about that, but like you're right. There's I that is direct lore right there. <laughs> I think it's. I think this is a great scene actually, and and like it, it informs you about the Metroid universe. Uh, it kind of tells you the, about the different Chozo tribes, which I think we'd all kind of suspected after Samus returns, but just makes the makes it official. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I like that they added like a little bit of edge to the Chozo. Maybe they're not all like this benevolent. Uh, what did I just say? They're not all this like peaceful, benevolent. benevolent. Thank <laughs> you. Were you were there, benevolent. Yeah, you were there. You had what, it. Was I there? Okay. You had it. Yeah. My point: all these Chozo are presented as like these these godlike, amazing creatures, and maybe maybe that's not the case. Maybe that's not entirely true. So I like that they added that little bit of edge. Um, I, I know that you, we had some disagreements about uh, Samus's reaction to seeing. You can't H-O-Zo. see it, but if you're listening, does my face is turned twisted to the left because I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that premise. But go on. Uh, I I just I I like and I like the story of Metroid Dread, but but I will say I do think that um, it could have been I think some flashbacks or something like something might have helped it along kind of because it's a lot of information and you just you're kind of <laughs> looking at quiet robe as he's telling you all this information. If you could have seen like Ravenbeak kicking ass and like, you know, and the X actually breaking out and like kind of like a stylized flashback like you see in the opening of the game when when you see Samson like the fusion suit and all that kind of stuff. I think that would have helped it along a little bit. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't uh. disagree with you there. I'm not going to take too much time on this, but I have, I have a couple of things to say. I mean, going back to this, I think, yes, the two problems. Number one, it's a huge expo- exposition dump. He's just throwing all this information to you all at once. There are little images and cutscenes, like little like art pieces and images that do help it along. Like you're not just staring at him the whole time, but you're staring at him a little bit of it. Um, and then it's also a problem of like the game, like all of this story stuff was added later. It's not like this was all from like conceived from the beginning of the Metroid story, you know, so like they're trying to like inform you about all explain all of this stuff that was just introduced. So they have to do it all. Like there's not a lot of time to do that. Um, I've, I've kind of flipped on like, do I like the whole, like, Oh, the, the Chozo are, you know, they're not just good or bad. They're gray. I mean, I never, never necessarily thought the Chozo were how you just described like godlike or anything, or even necessarily good or benevolent. Um, I always just thought that they, might they I mean maybe the ones in 2D Metroids, but like I was thinking about like the Metroid Prime Chozo as I thought about earlier. As far as I know, we don't know what tribe those Chozo are, correct? We have no idea what the Chozo and the in Prime are. No. In, in at least, they could be Thoha, but they might not be. They kind of look similar, so it's a good chance. They could they be are, something new too. Like they, they could just be, be the new thing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that when I think of that Chozo tribe, I never necessarily thought of them as good or bad. I just thought of them as these Chozo who, from I remember correctly, were going to town for some spiritual reason. So they're spiritual to some extent. Mm. Um, whereas the Thoha are kind of more spiritual than the Miratilistic, but they're more like sciencey. You know, they're not necessarily spiritual. They're more engineers and scientists, which I guess the Ch- Prime Chozo kind of also are too. But I always just thought they were just trying to survive. They weren't necessarily good or bad. They were just doing they had an objective they were doing it and then they had got thrown into the situation they were trying to survive you know whatever mm-hmm. they're most likely good but i i never necessarily thought of them like oh the chozo are all good so i think when it came into samus turns and dread and it kind of changed into well this is the good tribe this is the bad tribe they're the evil ones because they're tall and skinny and edgy and they wear black and they're these are the good ones because they wear yellow and they're bright and they're round it's like it it, it, it simplified it a bit too much to me I would like it if they showed us more of the gray area. 
of of the Chozo. Um, yeah, this was this whole Quiet Robe Expedition dump definitely like opens up the Chozo lore a lot. Maybe not necessarily the way I like or necessarily wanted it, but like it's not bad. It's just a huge expedition dump. <laughs> all at once, this game needed to the spread that the the story out a little bit more instead of kind of remembering once in a while. Oh, hey, wait, we need to give you some information to continue. Hmm. Doom, what do you okay. think? I got a lot to say. Uh, I'm not going to recap what you said about the expo just dump because you pretty much covered anything I was going to say right there. Um, Sam, uh, Sam is saying that, uh, her line in Chozo, awesome. awesome. Genuine pop-off mm-hmm. moment. Um, even though, uh, as you might remember, I actually didn't realize that was Samus saying that on my first. Yes, yeah, so I remember I'm a, you a little idiot. while. You were like, didn't know who that was, and that was like a thing. I was like, was that someone on the radio? Like, what was, you, sh- was the narrator? I completely I, I forgot don't... about that. I... Yeah, wow. <laughs> oh boy. I, I I don't even know what. That's was. a throwback. That's an OMP I, throwback. I was, right there. I was I was sober too, so I don't have an excuse. I I don't know what was going on there, but anyways, genuine pop off moment. That's awesome. Um, Brimstar Red overused this point, but still a really cool song, and I really like the specific version of it. Mm-hmm. My single biggest issue with this scene, aside from the fact that it's, you know, a giant expo- exposition dump, is that it completely, it completely reframes Samus exterminating the Metroids as a wholesale good, and I don't like that because it contradicts the entire themes of the series, including themes in Metroid Dread. Because yeah. a big theme of Metroid is Samus saving that baby Metroid and the good that it was able to create for the galaxy and the bond that it cre- that it created with Samus. And it's that bond that it created with Samus, the reason why it, ev- it eventually like got back into her system through the vaccine and why ultimately she was able to take out Ravenbeak. Without that Metroid vaccine, Ravenbeak probably would have won, at least according you know to how the game frames those cutscenes. So I really don't like how the game ultimately tries to reframe metroid 2 in that light which kind of which kind of goes further and more into like my some other issues i have with samus Do, returns this it, game kind of doubles does down it on does that. it try and reframe metroid 2 okay give, give me an it's example just, of what you're talking about so I, I don't know the the quote off the top of my head but quiet robe is talking about how Ravenbeak's plan was to go back to sr 3 da after he contained the x and elon but he couldn't because by the time he went back to SR388, Samus had exterminated the Metroids. And Quiet Row basically goes, thank you, Samus, for exterminating those Metroids and foiling Ravenbeak's plan. We couldn't, and I'm, and I'm like, I, I, get, I get what you're trying to do, but I feel like we're starting, we're starting to contradict some major overarching themes of the series here. And so, yeah, overall, not a fan of that personally. I think I call shenanigans. You know, I, I I'm not going to oh. call shenanigans on that because the I the lore I can't, master calls shenanigans. I can't remember his quote. He definitely says that he was going back to SR3D8, and and by the time he got there, the Metroids were were extinct. Um, I don't know that. You know, maybe I'm rusty, but I, I don't remember it being like, "Wow, thank you for doing this great service for us." I, I've in my recollection, and I could be wrong, but it, wasn't it just a matter of fact statement? Like, there's no more Metroids. Like was well, so. Here's the thing. It would be one thing if, from Quiet Robe's perspective, he thought it was a good thing. But I guess my issue, and again, maybe again, this might just me be looking like way too deep into things. I I tend to do that a lot. But I kind of wish maybe you know you can have the game, you can have you know the game's perspective, and you know 
you know, kind of the overall narrative the game is trying to tell you versus what a character is trying to tell you. And mm-hmm. a game's message can be very different from a character's message, even if it appears positive. And if I think the game, like, you know, tried to... And, and you know, may, maybe the game does, because, again, you know, Samus's Metroid powers is ultimately what saves the day. So maybe the game in some way does do that. But I guess in that moment, like, it almost felt like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just rambling I, I on at this point. I, got, I, got <laughs> no, what you're I, I see what you're saying. I, I just yeah. don't know that Dread... It to me did that necessary. I, I kind of had a, a viewpoint of like because Samus did this, it set in a, a chain of events um, that that almost put her in danger because it almost is like penance in a way for for getting rid of all these these Metroids because like fusion doesn't happen, uh, ZDR doesn't get destroyed, uh, she doesn't get attacked by Ravenbeak and turn into a Metroid at the end of the game if she doesn't exterminate all the metroid so it's kind of like everything's tied together it's it's not i felt like it wasn't presenting her extermination of the metroids in in a good or a bad light just in a factual this is what happened this was the plan but i i I do i i see what you're saying and like i i think that's like i don't like i I think that's valid a, a very good reason for it as well like i i too i would be a little bit kind of just like huh if they if they explicitly said like wow you did a great thing by eliminating these metroids because I think I mean, that <laughs> they tried to go and say that like that while was necessary wasn't always a, a great they, thing they kind of I mean I feel like they kind of do that with the DNA thing like oh like you have this DNA in you that makes the metroids attack you but this one makes it not attack you or whatever and like when I start going I know that's not that's, has nothing to do with that's what we're different about. that's just stupid <laughs> but, why is that stupid that's, like, that's it's, it's so. I don't. I, I'm Andy, I'm a, I don't Andy, I'm a. Andy, I'm a. Andy, I'm a. Be real. That is like an other M tier plot point. It is horrible. How? I don't mean. That, I don't how? mean to steamroll, but the whole blood <laughs> DNA nonsense is so fan fiction, like third grade fan fiction level writing. That it. it that honestly, like. That's one of the things that makes me not want to play the game again. Because I know I'm gonna get to that point, and I'm like, I gotta skip the cutscene because I don't want to. I feel like it's so. Nonsense. It's so simple. It's like she has th- it blood. No, she has not that it's, blood. It's not that it's not. It's not that it's complex. It's that it's dumb. I understand it perfectly fine. I think it's stupid. <laughs> but uh, and it whatever. Let, make, let's let's not talk about way, that because this way, is a different area. Either way, it, when it we do, it's a completely different area. <laughs> it's a yeah. different area. When we do Hanubia, um, we'll we'll talk about that. We, so let's, just, we do that. let's move on. Can I? Yes. Can, I want to move back on to um, Quiet Robe? to this to this area. No. Oh. Well, well, the whole thing with Quiet Robe. Right. I just wanted to say, as much as I have problems with how the whole like scene happens with like samus reaction i did think right. it was funny how like after samus realizes that quiet robe is is like chill she just kind of like sits there on the floor and like listens um i thought that was i thought that's a little nice little touch probably the only good mm-hmm. part about that scene um in my opinion and and samus talking i think is good oh samus hey, i could i could have so i could have taken or leaving that um uh i want to say though i feel like the 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 stuff that i wish had a bit more emphasis um in this area is some of the lore implications of the murals that are present in the area. Um, there are a bunch of different murals that have like Chozo soldiers fighting space pirates and all that kind of stuff, which gives you kind of an insight, uh, or at least a little, it gives a little background character, I guess, to the area. You can obviously see like the, the frescoes, like showing some kind of battle and whatnot that has happened in the past. Um, there is one specific mural that has mother brain on it, actually. Um, and I wish that this aspect of the area was emphasized a little more because I think it's the first time in game 
that Mother Brain's betrayal of the Chozo might potentially be referenced because that's only a, a manga thing. That is not something ever referenced in the games. Hmm. But in that mural, um, there's one specific mural with Mother Brain in it, and Mother Brain is on the side of the Chozo as they're fighting uh, the Space Pirates, which would be the first time that it's implied that there was ever a betrayal or Mother Brain was ever aligned with the Chozo in the game. It's like an aspect of the story that's not at all talked about or even officially part of it. So I, right. I, I, I wonder if that's like an official confirmation or hint at that. And I wish that they'd emphasize that just a tiny little bit more because that's something that's really cool. And I feel like a lot of people aren't aware of it. Yeah. Kind of mixed on, on one hand, like, you know, I kind of, I kind of like that they didn't over explain things. I think when you start to like over explain nitty gritty details, you can start getting into kind of a lot of the fan fiction issues that we have with Dread, that we have with Dread's story. Yeah. But, at the, but at the same time, yeah, there's like a lot of intriguing questions that those murals raise. I think at the very least, a good compromise would have been for the camera to hover on them a bit more. Because a lot, because, yes. you know, it, just you know, show you it get, more a bit. No, yeah, you, you get a brief, it. Yeah, you get a brief flash of like some close ups where you don't even get, you know, the whole thing in frame. And there's also other murals that you can see in the area that have, you know, different hieroglyphics and images as yeah. well. And so I think, you know, just being mm -hmm. able to get like a better look at some of those, I think would have been better, but I don't I also don't I, think I you would have had to incorporate that like into the into the main narrative. No, I don't think it should have been incorporated into the story and I don't think it should have been over explained more. I just wish there was a little bit more of a highlighting on it cuz I do love like, I agree. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in Metroid that that doesn't need to be highlighted. It's a really cool secret or you find you're like, wow, you dig into that detail. But like it kind of feels like dread like it's like one way or the other. It's either the, the the game has like this small, tiny, minuscule detail that's not at all explained, or the story is literally told to you by a character in a twenty long minute, like twenty minute long cutscene. Like there's no kind of in between. Like that's why I wish like the two D games kind of had a lore like scanning system because that would be the perfect middle ground. I was gonna say I, I think that's have. the solution right there. Yeah. In fact, because like you already like if you could scan it. You could get some peripheral information if you wanted it, and if you didn't, that's fine. I think, mm -hmm. like, a game that does it really well is AM2R, actually. That'll just automatically, like, when you enter an area, like, scan something, and, and you can read it, or you can not read it, and, and that's fine. Yeah. I, I do wish that they would do something like that. Um, Even something like this, it would be cooler to have, like, just a little bit more of, like, an official confirmation. Like, if that's what you mean, I like, agree. give me a, a little, a little bit more. I don't need you to explain yeah. it, but, like, I would maybe give me a second mural or third one, like, makes it a little more obvious. Like, just it, not in, like, the, oh, I need my handheld, but, like, the, man, I really want to know if that's what you mean. And, like, I would love for that yeah. to be true. Let me, let me, you know, give me what I want. Batista style, you know? Two, two more quick mm -hmm. things. And, by the way, I, I'm fighting with every ounce in me not to keep going on this fan fiction thing i have a lot to we, say if we, we, we can talk about that next doing an episode on this next not, week not don't today. worry about yeah, it you'll have, today. Whole, you'll have a whole the whole episode to do that don't yeah. worry uh, okay so um two other quick things really about the lore before we move on one quiet robe disables the emmys which i think is like kind of a, a nice like little break that you get in the game at, but at he also point. helps program them well, and then he gets infected by the X and he turns him back on. So that's, uh, and then that X quiet robe parasite is going to come back to play later in the game, which, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, well, actually, I guess we won't talk about that. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that one I could maybe say is, is a little bit out there, but no more out there than some random ship AI is having the personality of your former commander. Now that's some fan fiction. Let me just say, but I don't know I, how AI has advanced in the past year 
I do not. Have, that's totally in the realm of possibility to me. Let's, <laughs> here's, let's here's not get thing. down that rabbit hole. Here's what here's what I will say. After Metroid Dread and seeing how Adam is in Metroid Dread, yes, that's fan fictiony. But in theory, like I've seen, like yeah, I mean, look at Cortana and like Halo. Like that is very much like you know a yeah. human like you know artificial intelligence. Yeah, it w- it makes sense if it was done. It right. would make sense if it was <laughs> yes, if it was. But anyways, let's let's not go there. <laughs> if it let's, was good, <laughs> let's move on. Let's I, talk. I about... do want to. No, I do. No, wanna... no. unless no, it's like no, really no, important. I, I want to hear. I want to hear. It's five seconds. It's five oh, seconds. God, it's Let five seconds. I promise. So all, all I'm all I'm gonna say. Well, I don't really want to see you know you know the murals like overexplained. I do wish the dread reports had more information in the game because there's so much there's so be in much the information. There's so much juicy details in those dread reports that are just absolutely nowhere found in the game. Like obviously one of the biggest ones mm-hmm. I think, you know, is Samus's suit. Like, you know, there's absolutely nothing about Samus's suit suit in the game, but like the dread reports tell you all about like how, you know, it's basically self repairing from the fusion suit. Anyways, I've gone over five seconds, I'm I- done now. I think there should just be scans. Like that's, I, I think that that's I, the I answer. Agree. And I don't know why I, there's not because they already do it. Like it's not that hard. I, I don't think it's that hard. And you could they, totally they, remember Prime yeah. 2D when we played that deck. Like that does scans. Like, I mean, even if you just made it like go the the classic 2D route and don't make it scan, just have a few of them have them be in the environment. You walk by them, you hit A, and you then you yeah. read them, and yeah. that's it. Like it could even be could even be a little like that. I, I'd be okay with that. Um, all right, let's talk about the bosses of this area. This area has a couple uh, fun bosses, and I think um, I think the one that obviously uh, sticks out the most is Eskew, which is the and you guys could probably verify this, but that is like the bane of these dread mode runs in boss rush mode runs because this guy, oh my god, he he hits like it's very very hard to to not take damage from this guy because it's a really small room. He's flying around like a maniac everywhere. Actually, so the, the second time that I ever fought him, I, I did a little bit of a sequence breaking, and I went and got the screw attack before I went and got SQ, and I I sliced through him like a mm-hmm. like a turkey on Thanksgiving with the screw attack. But without it, he's kind of like a an annoyingly. He's not like super challenging, but like he's he's annoying nevertheless, uh, kind of boss. But this is if you guys remember the first time where you beat the boss. And that core X pops out. That was so awesome. So awesome. I remember just going absolutely buck wild when that happened on my first playthrough of Dread. That, oh, that was so good. I was watching Dak's live stream when he was playing through this boss for the first time. And I, I got to see Dak in real time pop off when the, uh, when the core X popped out. That was out. sick. That's, that was, that was awesome. like, yes. <laughs> that, like, that's, I, like, as a fusion fan, I was like, give me all the fusion fan service that i can get i will 100 percent take it and that was because i don't i don't remember if that's the first time you see an x i'm pretty sure you see an x before that i'm pretty you, sure you, you see fight. the x before but not you the see core the x. x before but now that's the first time you see the core x because that because that because it was like one of those things where like okay they brought the x parasites back but like oh maybe it's a little cameo maybe they just have like a little small little like part of the game but then when the core x gets brought back in and you're like, oh, like they're the X are actually being fully implemented into the game. Like this is sick. They're not just oh. cameo. That was that's that's why I was like so excited. It's like it's, and you and you yeah. fight it the exact same way where it's, yeah. always, the same way. Where it's yeah. always homing in on you. But now you also have the flash shift, so you can like you and know it's in three D and, and zigzag. It looks it's, sick. Mm. 
Yeah, like this they, is so they, awesome. they nailed it. Yeah. They really nailed I, it with the Korax. I love the transformation animation when a creature goes um, from regular to X. I love, because like in Fusion, you know, it has like this kind of glitchy pixelated effect. But I love in this game how like it turns into like this slimy, oily substance instead before it like goes into... <laughs> Before it just it looks so gross in this, and you know me, yeah. like I love when Metroid gets gross and disgusting. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Well, I, I not even a great fight, but like a great moment, I think more so than. than I, a great I think fight. it's a. I think it's a great. Fight. I think it's I a th- good fight as well. Actually, I think it's one of the better designed Metroid okay. uh, bosses. Actually, like I really like SQ's speed. The projectiles are really cool. It honestly feels more like a, a modern Metroidvania boss than a lot of Metroid bosses nowadays in comparison um i really like the sq design really really cool i will say music though this piece of music might be my diron i I don't even remember the piece of music this piece of music (laughs) i don't even know what it is (laughs) this piece of music might be my least favorite in the game i hate it but the boss uh... fight is really good it makes up for it i think I'm going to um, listen to it real quick as you all talk. All right. well, while you're doing that, um, you also fight a couple twin soldier Chozo robots uh, a couple times in Ferenia. I think, so you fight them immediately after you get the storm missiles, which is amazing. Because you fought the you fought these guys before. You fought them in Gavarin, and without the storm missiles, they're, they're kind of a pain. With the storm missiles, it's like, let's go. They are so much easier more manageable more fun i think to to take out when you have the storm missiles going on i really like this fight uh and you get to fight him in like the ginormous hallway so you have a lot of room to to kind of move around and get a little bit more tactical if you will with this fight as well so i i enjoy this fight um even though you've kind of already done it before i think this is the best version of that fight yeah i really well because you know, all the fights beforehand are with one uh, Chozo soldier. This is the first time where they introduce two. You have one of the silver variants and one of the gold variants, which has more health. Mm. And then I think and then I think the final duo you do, they're both gold variants when you take them on in Berenia. But yeah, I, I, I love all the robot Chozo, Chozo mm-hmm. fights. I think they're all cool. I like, you know, it, it almost, it, weirdly enough, it almost feels like a Smash game with how, like, the platforms are laid out. Yeah, you know, you, kind you of. Know, the only... The only difference is, you know, you don't get KO'd and you don't have, you know, out of bounds areas. But like the way the platforms are laid out, you know, you know, it kind of reminds me of like how you'd play, you know, a platform fighter. Yeah, I, I love the robot Chozo soldier fights um, for every reason that that Doom just said. Um, I also think one of the arenas you fight them in is like a direct replica of the SAX boss room um, for Metroid Fusion, that area um, with the two platforms and you run up the left side and climb over. Um but yeah, I, I love the Robot Chozo Soldier fights. They're the those boss fights, both the one and the two. Though obviously the the double fights are a bit harder. They're such a like a uh, like a noob check kind of boss because like once you once you mm. fought them like once, you know exactly what to do. But I remember the first time I f- played against them, and I was uh, those are those are exciting. Like they felt so fast and frantic, mm-hmm. and it, it really allows you to just kind of go crazy with like the flash shift and all that, and just like run circles around them and. And set the pace and they're right up you know behind you all the time firing constantly yeah really cool fights uh but they're they're fights that once you don't once or twice you kind of get the you know you know what to do and then of course as you get more you know better at them you kind of realize you can mash at them a bit more than you 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 kind of learn to respect them less the more you fight them i think goes for a lot of the bosses in this game but i think especially for them because they're they're a bit more 
telegraphed in their attacks. I like that though. I love the feeling yeah. when you find when you when you start disrespecting a boss more and just going more aggressive each time. I agree. No, I, I love that. I, that I think it makes them very enjoyable to go back and fight because it's not like oh this annoying pattern again. It's kind of just like a, a slugfest that you kind of get yeah. through. See how fast and faster, faster and faster you can get through it. So, um, yeah, really, really cool um, that they're here. It's so satisfying to like lock on really quick with your storm missiles and like like it only takes a quick second and then you can fire them and charge them up and then smash them in when you have all your missiles. It, it's fantastic. I, I love it. Uh, we should also mention very quickly uh, our friend the the Emmy as well, who unfortunately like this is this is probably my biggest complaint about Metroid Dread actually is that you never get a boss fight versus an Emmy. I think like yeah. I think the power bomb Emmy was was the time to do it. Um, so that's not in this area necessarily, but, but yeah, this is probably the, like we mentioned earlier in the Emmy zone, I think it's uh, one of the more challenging Emmys, maybe the most challenging, just considering its ability, the wave beam is, is tracking you and shooting at you through walls. Mm. Uh, I, and I, I really enjoy uh, the design of this Emmy as well. So this is uh this is cool. And, and I feel like, um, yeah, again, it's, it's man, it makes me wish that we would have got that, that, that full fledged boss fight against it. Like it could have been like a cool, like, Diggernaut-esque style fight, and unfortunately we didn't get that. But this Emmy in particular, while it's not necessarily a boss, uh, very, very cool. Maybe, probably my favorite of the bunch. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have too much to say about this one. I feel like a lot of when you talk about Emmy is like the room, because it's kind of like part of the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool room. Uh, it's another Emmy fight, nothing crazy. I I will say that as much as I love, I think the purple Emmy is great, and I love the design of the purple Emmy. On the other hand, I that's like the part of the the Emmy designs where I'm like, ah, I wish they had done a little bit more than just making them like a solid flat color. Um, I like the the solid white Emmy looks great and like thematically works well with the room and all that. But then you have just like this this entirely purple like I don't know maybe like just work it like maybe put like the. Uh, I forgot the name of the corporation that makes the Emmys, but like put the logo on it in purple or something, or give it like a like pur- Celion? Celion or Helios or, or something. Non- um, yeah, but like maybe give it like a, a purple stripe. I don't know. Like it's very nitpicky, but I remember I was just like going back to that. I was like, wow, this thing is purple. It's not even like I, a white purple. It's purple. <laughs> it's weird. I, I agree. I think I think some of the I think some of the <laughs> solid flat color Emmys yeah. look look a it's little odd. goofy. Like, like they don't take me out too much, but yeah, they definitely... No, it, it's a huge nitpick. Uh, yeah. It doesn't really mean anything. And by the way, um, do you all want to put in your, your guesses again on, on who created the the Emmy? I think Doom was right. It's like Excelion or Excelsior or something like that. I just, I literally... Oh, here we go. Excelion Star Corporation. There you go. Good job, Doom. Boom. Boom, Excelion Star Corporation. Yeah, like this is a cool it's like a Resident Evil kind of looking logo. Kind of remember reminds yeah, me of right. the I think, I think these guys are coming back, man. I, I think that they're gonna would, show up again. Which, which I would, would, I would like I would be down with that. Like yeah. that would, that's I don't make them like the big bad guy, but like that I would I'd be okay with that. I feel like sometimes Metroid introduces stuff and then doesn't bring it back for like no good reason. Like you could work this Excelion Star Corporation back in in some kind of way pretty easily. I, I think, like, not to veer too off-topic, but imagine if, if they'd have introduced Excelion in, in, like, a Metroid Other M, so it, it wasn't, like, the, the Galactic Federation. You had that, a distinct other entity that was the problem, so it didn't make Samus, you know, the events of Metroid Fusion kind of look like been there, done that a little bit. Um, hmm. That could have worked. It just 
It just occurred to me I should have played dumb and not uh, not known what that was because then Andy would have actually used that as a question for the next uh, Zelda versus Metroid trivia. Not happening anymore, I don't uh, think. What, <laughs> no, the name that, of the corporation? That, that was too easy. I, I would have got that if you hadn't have. Don't worry. I don't I don't trust your quality of too easy on questions because like a majority <laughs> of the Metroid questions, those were like made up nonsense questions that no, even the most dedicated of fans, 1% of them would know. Well, um, you know, you guys just got to hit the books for, for the rubber match coming up this year and, and see what happens. I'm, I'm working on a special gimmick, actually, for that. It's going to be a stipulation I was, match. I, I want to mention, by the way, my roommate Pat said he's looking forward to the next one because of all of our podcast episodes, he really likes, because he's a big Zelda fan, too. Um, Is he? Okay. He, yes, he really likes our our two Zelda cast and Metroid, or other Omega Metroid crossover episodes for, for that reason. So he's So he's looking forward to it. All right. Okay. Well, I, I'm. Uh, I'll have to cook up some uh, some diabolical. Maybe I'll do like the old spin the wheel, make a make a deal gimmick or something for the rubber match. I don't know. We'll get to that. Down. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, really quick. I just want to go over the major items that you get: uh, storm missiles, wave beam, space jump, which we uh, which we didn't really touch on, but probably don't really need to. And then um, and talk about the music, uh, which we've already kind of talked about a little bit, but maybe just to to put a point on it. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Ferenia soundtrack. I think it's, uh, it, I think it sounds great. I, I think it's probably the strongest piece of music. And again, it's, it's not like a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 banger, but I think it's very serviceable it like in the moment. And I think that it sounds nice to listen to outside of the moment, like on its own as well. Um, and, and obviously this was, I think Nintendo maybe thought that this was also their best piece of music since they used it for the trailer of this game. Um, you know, still hoping that they work on that for Metroid 6 and, and maybe invest a little bit more time and resources into the soundtrack. But yeah, I, I think it's a good track. I I cannot for the life of me think of any other musical track in this area. I, the, you said the SQ fight. I can't think of it. <laughs> I was uh, going to say. Um, the Emmy so Zone, I guess. Like When I, as earlier said, I was going to go listen to the SQ uh, boss battle theme while you all were talking. I think the SQ theme is the best for any theme. I'm not going to lie. Okay, hold on. I'm going to listen to it right now. It's not. It's it's not. All right. So, like, the first, the main theme. Like, I, I wish these themes were more distinct. But, like, the main theme that plays for Frenia, to me, has, like, a weird sound font. It kind of sounds like it has, like, the voices from, like, the Rugrats theme in it. Like, it's there's something weird about it. I don't know what it is. Um, Doom, you what? I'm agreeing with you. I'm, li- okay. I'm like, I'm yeah, like, like it's cooking. weird. It's like I listen. I went and I was like, what is up with this? This is. It sounds like a Rugrats. And then the 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 theme that plays after you've beaten the Emmy, which I think is a different theme. That one has that the classic Metroid Dread motif of the do 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 like that sound going in every track. It's so annoying in the background, and it's in this song again. Um, don't like it. The SQ music, though. You know why yeah. it's good because it's. Because it's a boss battle theme. I'm not. I'm not subjected to it as I'm exploring the area. It's a frantic, crazy, nonsensical boss theme for a crazy, frantic boss. And then once you beat it, it's over. It adds to the theme. It's not like a lot of these themes in this game where I'm trying to like play through the game and the the music is like fighting my ears. Oh, so I, I give on. the vote to the the SQ. Yes, I'm sorry. It's fighting. I am. It's fighting my ears. Assaulting my ears. You haters. Um, the S the SQ boss battle theme. I think is the best. I'm not gonna lie. So I just listened to it, Doom, and uh, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a the best theme of in the Frenia area, but. 
I think it's fine. I think it's like pulsating. It's frantic. It's uh, it's got some energy to it. Now that being said, I can see why you might not be a fan of it because it is. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of oh, stuff being thrown too against much the wall. Going so. On. It is so goofy. It's not even. It's not even. It's not even that. Like I. So so here's. I actually disagree with Dak. I think there's a ton of. I think there's a ton of like iconic Metroid tracks that have tons iconic? of iconic. Tons oh, okay, of. Okay. 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 Sorry. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. No. No. I thought you were iconic. gonna. I thought you were gonna say Metroid Dread tracks iconic. No. 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 Like in like in the series, like crazy stuff going on, like you know, sixteenth notes and thirty like seconds. What? Like what? I think. I think. Uh. I think even some ambient tracks, like the Impact Crater theme. Like I. I wouldn't call that iconic, but I think that's a really good track where you know you have tons of like layers of different like sample libraries and synths going on. But I think it totally fits the atmosphere of that area. And it works. It but blends like, well together. Where I feel like the yeah, red exactly. ones, they're all fighting for the my attention but continue exactly Sorry. my point my point is i don't think that like just having like an overabundance of things i don't think that in and of itself is necessarily a bad thing it's how you utilize those elements i, I agree with that sure my, yeah. my problem my problem with the sq theme is like it sounds so i i almost swore it sounds so goofy it sounds like it, it should sound be at a <laughs> it sounds like it should be in a mario galaxy game like you have yes. like it sounds it sounds whimsical it sounds anything mm-hmm. but Metroid, and it sounds anything ah. but Metroid Dread. It's so whimsical. Like listen, like listen to the piano part in like the thirty or forty second part. Where it's like, like I, I am I sorry it. to everyone listening I on headphones right now it. for that. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that it is very goofy. It's very nonsensical. It does have a Mario Galaxy kind of esque. You know, to it, I'm gonna play this theme just so that all but our it, listeners can judge for themselves. But it, but it kind of has a little bit of Metroid to it. I don't know, a, l- a little tiny bit. All um, right, it it is it is kind of ridiculous. Can you guys hear this? No, because your mic is set up to not have these pickup sounds off of your phone. Thankfully, well, everyone you can, can, go you can edit listen. it in post. I was gonna say you can edit it in post if you really want to, or maybe maybe I'll use it, it as our uh, our intro music for this week. Uh, you sh- you should. There we go. I don't well, know. We I want people to listen to the episode. I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you're right. Uh, I, so, I, I, it's it's like oh, it's okay. You know, it's it's not. I, the, I, and... go ahead. You you were just talking. I uh, I, no, I, 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 I was just I was just gonna say like I I think for me it kind of fits the theme of Metroid Dread soundtrack as a whole where it's just like it's fine. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like it's it's serviceable. It gets the job done. Is it something that you're going to be just like, wow, what a what a great boss theme? Like, no, I, I don't think so. But like, I think it's fine. That's just me. I'm the gonna, I'm the Metro Dread soundtrack apologist uh, on this show. We can agree to disagree on that. I want to talk about more about the Ferenia theme though, because I've gone yeah. I've gone on way too much about SQ. Ferenia, here's the thing. Definitely. Definitely not one of my favorite themes in the game, but like overall, I think there's a lot to work with with what's going on here. I I, I think my biggest problem here and a, a lot of my problems with Dread soundtrack is a lot of the uh, the sample libraries and a lot of the synth patches used. A lot of these, um, especially in the um, in the vocals used in the choir patches used. They sound they, they sound way too synthesized, way too fake. And like all the Metroid Prime choirs are synthesized, you know, even the ones in Prime 3 that are trying to sound like a real choir is singing it. 
but like even the ones that aren't you know even when they do sound a little fake you know you know they're mixed you know kenji yamamoto mixes them in the way that to where they sound alien like there's an alien choir you know going with the environment and i don't really get that with this it, you know it, it, it just sounds like you know a, a cheap 80s synth choir and i feel like you know reworking you know those choirs and some of the other synth patches going I think you can turn what I think is an okay average track into something really memorable. I think the actual composition happening here, I think, is pretty decent, actually. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, like, you know, music is what it is. Uh, not not the best, not the worst. Does its job. And, and I think the main theme does its job well. I, I do think that it has a, a strong... Um, a strong theme to, to give this area. So, um, all right, let's, uh, unless anybody has anything else about music, let's move on. To, let's talk about some of these expansions and shine spark puzzles and doom. I wonder if you want to take the lead. Cause I, I kind of cut you off earlier on the show. So, uh, I think that we, we probably have a lot of the same similar, uh, shine spark puzzles that we really enjoy. So, so take us away. I mean, you didn't really cut me. If anything, I've been cutting you off more in this episode, I think, than you have me. So I, I'm, no used, I'm used needed. to that. <laughs> I, I have three podcasts. It's it's okay. But yeah, uh, obviously, you you and me, Andy, like we we love the Shine Spark in this game. You know, we don't need to tell our viewers. I think that this is easily our favorite interpretation of the Shine Spark in this game. And I think Ferenia is one of the areas that makes some of the best use out of it with the, um, you know, all of the puzzles. There's so many cool puzzles mm -hmm. in this area. And what I really love, you know, it's not quite Breath of the Wild open, but like, you know, there's multiple ways that you can solve these puzzles, which I think is really cool. You don't, you don't always get that in a Metroid game, but a lot of these Shine Spark puzzles you can solve in multiple ways. You know, you can charge up from like a completely different side of the room and, you know, use the, you know, wall jump off a completely different wall and manipulate, you know, your movements, you know, in a completely different area than you would if you charge from the other side of the room, but you can still use it to get the item. And one of the biggest ones that um, I think of is the one you get right after you fight the first robot Chozo soldier after the quiet robe cutscene. There's one right before mm. you go to the elevator that leads back down. Yeah. And on my first playthrough, um, I solved this puzzle by going from the elevator itself, by going going to the right, storing my boost, quickly wall jumping, and then going through the crevice, and then, you know, getting it that way. But then I saw YouTube videos of people solving it on another way, where you charge your speed booster up on the, um, on the other side by charging it up by the fan, and then wall jumping in real time with the Shine Spark... And then making your way to that crevice instead. And that's that's the way I do it now. Just because, one, it's quicker. And two, it looks so much cooler. And it feels mm -hmm. way more satisfying to pull off. But yeah, that's probably like... I don't know if... I, you know, it's pro it's not my favorite. My favorite is that the one in Berenia. You know the one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. This is probably like a top two or a top three, though. I really like this Shine Spark puzzle. Um, yeah, I, I think that this one's fun. I I do I do still uh, shine spark from the from the tram car room, uh, just wall jump, shoot down, slide, and then boost that way. But like you can't you can do it a bunch of different ways, and uh, and it's it's fantastic. But I don't even think that's the best shine spark spark puzzle in Ferenia, actually. Um, I the one the one for me that I just I feel like such a like this. I feel like I'm like oats and goats whenever I do this properly, right? Like. With the one where you get to Frenia from Gavarin, you charge up your speed boost, you run, you jump, you wall jump, you slide, you crouch, you go back into the tunnel that you've just come, and you ball boost up, and then you get that missile tank. It's like, 
Mwah! It looks so awesome when you do it properly and you feel like an absolute rock star if you do it. Because there's a lot of movement for it. Uh, it. It's just, it's very, very satisfying to do. And like you, and you've got to be pretty specific to do it that way. And I think that one, I think you can really only do it that one particular way as well. So it's like, I always feel very accomplished, even though now it's kind of like second nature and I know how to do it. I completely forgot about that puzzle. That one is also that like that one. That one's probably like really closer. I don't know if that one's my favorite, but um, it's yeah, awesome. yeah, pro- probably the probably the first one's still my favorite. But that one is like really close up there. That's another one. I definitely know that there's another way you could solve that puzzle because I remember specifically my first attempt. I definitely didn't do it like the way you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely do the intended method nowadays. But I I can't remember how I did it on my first attempt. So like. Yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> um, another couple fun. There's another uh, Shine Spark puzzle that's that's pretty fun in like the frozen area where hey, this one's simpler, but you just you gotta charge up, you gotta uh, spark down, turn into a morph ball to go that little tunnel, and you you zoom across like the frozen ice, which is which is pretty fun. And then there's um, there's just kind of like a, a classic. It feels like your classic like right out of zero mission kind of Shine Spark puzzle where you, there's an energy part, and and I want to say it's from. Um, I want to say it's from the Berenia elevator room where you go towards your left and you're shine sparking and you've got to go uh, midair shine spark up a ramp, do it again, up another ramp through a tunnel. It's just, it's like, it's classic shine spark puzzle right out of fusion, right out of zero mission. Uh, it's not that hard, but there's something just very, very satisfying about doing it. I I think. I know the one you're talking about. It definitely gives me the um the the Cho Zodia vibes of that one where you're yeah. just constantly you're just constantly constantly ascending upwards using you know saving your boost on the ramps and all that. Yeah, it's it's really fun. And you know what? Uh, not even a Shine Spark puzzle. This one's just like a regular old missile expansion. But there's there's one where um, I think it's right. It's actually right at the beginning uh, of of Ferenia from the Gavarin entrance. Um, where underneath there is the Chozo statue that gives you the space jump and there's a tunnel in in the wall like really high up that uh, I think most people would come back to it later in the game but essentially you can only access this this uh, expansion inside when you have your space jump when you have your diffusion beam when you like you need a lot of different things in order to get this you shoot one of the tumors in the wall and you have to very specifically space jump up there's like there's like a, a diagonal platform and like an, an backwards L coming out of the ceiling where you have to be really tight with your space jumps to, in order to get the expansion. Uh, I, I really like that. Again, it kind of, it makes me feel like very accomplished when I when I do it. And like I, I'm I'm kind of partial to those ones where you got to be kind of pinpoint accurate with your movements and stuff like that. It just makes me feel good when uh, when I can pull it off. So uh, that one that one I really like as well. Nice. By the way, I used. Uh, all of these, if you want to see video of these, they're all on OmegaMetroid.com. You can check out the Shine Spark puzzles in our Metroid Dread section. They're very, very cool. Very cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's all the expansions that uh, that stuck out to me. I, did I miss any? Um, I don't know. I mean, you all just rattled off a bunch of <laughs> Shine Spark puzzles. So I, if I if you all said this one, I for, uh, you can cut me off, but. The one that I think I was the hardest for me to pull off, and then I did that one. I don't know if I went to other ones. Was the one that's near the uh, Dyron elevator or whatever, and it's like it's it's in a little. There's a little missile expansion, a little like alcove. You have to like build up speed, go up the wall, and then go into morph ball mode. Yeah. Hit the bomb, and then 
like before you hit, go through the droppable blocks, you have to like shine spark to the right and get that little like into that little slot where mm-hmm. the where that one is. Um, I remember that one was hard, <laughs> and yeah, that, that one that one took me a while to get. And then after that one, I was like, "All right, I'll do another one." And that like that was so satisfying. I'll do another one. Like I'll practice another one later in the week, and I never did because that one took a lot of time. Yeah, that that was the first one that I brought yeah. up. So yeah, what's okay. funny about that is, so I did it. I I did it the same way you did it at first, but there's actually there's a significantly easier way to do that. Uh, when you're in ball form, you can actually just um hold shine spark and ball and then diagonal spark downwards which i didn't know that you could because oh. this is the first game you can you can spark yeah. downwards um and so i didn't know you could do that before but yeah it makes that puzzle like significantly easier i wish i knew that sorry i forgot you had brought that one up but that was there were a couple favorites you had listed but yeah that's the one that that's all good we were we were just rattling them off so uh, there and like there's so many different ways that you can do specifically the one that you brought up doom like it's you could do them in, in so many creative ways that the way that we describe it might not be how you you do it so you describe it in a different way and it's like a completely different experience which is one of the many reasons i love metro dread uh, as much as i do I, I think like shine sparking is just so so fun i i love it so much and i think that this is like the best of the bunch in terms of the series in terms of those kind of puzzles um so there we go okay well we have uh i think we have thoroughly mapped out the uh the fallen city of ferenia um, what I would say still is probably my favorite area of ZDR and Metro Dread. So I'm, I'm glad that we got to, uh, to do this episode. It, it was a little bit impromptu, actually, a little bit, uh, last minute, but I'm, I'm glad that we went this, uh, we went this way. Cause I think that we, we have discussed this area more in depth than anyone else on this, on this planet, I bet you. So I'm, uh, I'm happy about that. And, and it was an unoptimized discussion because we spent a good amount of it arguing over a story <laughs> matter that extends far beyond the actual area itself. Um, we could, I, you know, there's like, maybe we got to go back at some point. Once we've done all the areas in every Metroid game, we then do mapping Metroid Deluxe or like it's a Ooh. six hour episode. Dread mode. We go through every single, yeah, like there's. There's no still so much we didn't, yeah. There's still so much we didn't touch on, but yeah, I'm glad we went through this one. Um, like we were kind of touching on earlier in the episode, I love these areas that don't feel like it's the jungle area, it's the yeah. water area. Like this one, it's more memorable. There's a lot more going on. It's really cool. I as much as like you know the the Chozo, the new um, I guess uh, evolution of of the Chozo and how it's depicted in Metroid. Um, has its good and bad parts. I think this is one of the good parts. I, I do like the, some of this aspects that you know the Malkin tribe kind of brought in. Um, I, the aesthetic's really cool. It's different as much as I would have liked to have seen maybe kind of like more of the classic like Chozo stuff or maybe more of the Prime Chozo stuff. Like this is really cool and it's not like the same old kind of stuff. Um, and it obviously has a lot of lore implications. I love like little little lore tidbits. I wish there was a bit more highlighting on it, but it looks really cool. Um, you get like a side of the Chozo that like Dredd's really trying to show you that there's a side of him we haven't seen before. And this is like a p- picture perfect kind of thing for it. Obviously huge implications with quiet robe and what you learn from him and has the Corex reveal, which is super, super, oh. super cool. So Such yeah, good love this area. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was hoping I'd be a little more prepared today. I was playing Dread literally right before we started as, as I told you guys in the back chat, but, um, yeah, unfortunately, like by the time we were about to start, I was still at Dairon, so I was still a ways off from hitting Ferenius. So. Doom, you were oh, on no. fire today. What are you talking? You, I, I, you brought it. I, 
I, I was gonna say I I I, th I think I, I think I was still able to bring the heat, but I would have liked to be you know a, l a little more prepared. But you know, hey, you know what? We take those. No, we I, what we got. I, I think um, that was a strong performance today from you, sir. Well, hey, when yeah. we do the mapping Metroid Deluxe Edition, yeah. you'll feel a lot more prepared on episode twelve hundred or something. <laughs> you know what? We got to do a you mapping know, if, Metroid if, on on Samus Returns. I think at this point, that's that's got to be the only game we haven't done an area for, right? Maybe we should make have a point we, to that to do that. Have we, have we, we not done Samus Returns? we did a Samus Returns. It was, well, or was it AM2R? We, we definitely we did, we did AM2R. AM2R. Maybe that's you, what you guys, you guys did AM2R before I was on the podcast. You did Hydro Station. Right. Yeah, I don't know if we've done Samus Returns. We might have. There's so I, many episodes. I feel like it's because it doesn't have that many. I, I, anyways, I digress. Let's, uh, let, let's put that in our back pocket for our next Mapping Metroid. I think that'd be fun. All right. I wouldn't um, mind doing another playthrough of that. Yeah, I'm I'm about due actually, and I uh, I have some fun ideas for that game for that project that we were talking about. So, um, okay, well, I think that I think that we've reached the end here. We we have mapped Ferenia and had a great time doing it, and uh, and and yeah, I think that we had uh, a lot of great discussion and a discussion that's not over yet. A lot of stuff about story, a lot of stuff about music, and I and I think that we're we're gonna bleed right into next week when you gentlemen uh, present your version of events in the way that you would have liked to see Metroid Dread's story unfold. I'm I'm really excited about that. I, I've been looking forward to that for a long time. I pitched that a while ago, uh, but we, we never seemed to quite get there, uh, mostly because I didn't explain exactly what I was thinking when I mm -hmm. pitched it, but I'm excited about that. That's going to be next week. Uh, so definitely, definitely, definitely tune into that. Metroid Dread, a little bit of a resurgence in the uh, Omega Metroid Discord here after... Uh, lying dormant for a little bit it's suddenly you know we're talking speed runs we're talking music we're talking story again i love to see it yeah same here yeah, the big part of big part of it on my end is just with my new pc you know i you know i have so much more storage and so i can actually like you know hold more games now and so i've been you know trying out my emulators and stuff that i haven't been able to do before and do my god metroid man. dread isn't available on pc oh it is oh it is it is you, you can you can <laughs> it you is can, you can leak if you own a legally owned copy you know what you can dump you're right your game yeah you're right and there are youtube tutorials that can i mean teach you how to do that at least on my end it's also like it's the summer it's kind of like when you go back to games you haven't played in a little bit or try out something new before the big like that's that's how i got into to destiny 2 two years ago i was i was like in between games it was a summertime i was like i need something new and in this case it was like ah, i haven't played metro dread in a little while i need a little something new but don't you worry don't you worry. The discussion will change to Armored Core 6 and Starfield in the coming months in the Discord server. Don't you worry. Hold Andy, on, though. Don't you worry. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to try and politic a little bit here. Have you given that demo for Pikmin 4 a chance yet? Because no, I have not. I, I am about to 100% that game. I, I, I think not. I have, like, one more thing to do. And then I will I will have played a, a glorious 30 hours. It's not going to be any longer than that. It's so I should so give good. it a try. So I should good. give it a try. I, I hate to be someone who is a hater, and I'm not, I don't hate Pikmin at all. But like, I would like to give it a fair shake. If if it's if people are saying it's it's a lot of fun, um, I've just been lately not playing Pikmin. So I maybe I gotta get into a Pikmin playing playing mood. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder what gets one in a Pikmin. Play. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe um, a little StarCraft or Age of Empires or something. I don't know. Nevertheless. Okay, well, that is going to do it for us. Uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. This is a long episode, but I think, uh, I think it, you know, like I said, I think we delivered today, by God. So, uh, again, thanks for, for hanging out with us. Uh, of course, 
we want you to check us out over on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Uh, at Omega Metroid Pod. I'm at Spateri316. Dak is at Dak City underscore Doom is at Doom Lacrosse. And we would love if you checked us out wherever you got your podcast. Like, subscribe. The best thing you could do is recommend us to a Metroid fan in your life. Maybe somebody that just likes video games. Maybe somebody that's played Metroid Dread and wants to learn a little bit more about the series. Tell them about the Omega Metroid podcast. Uh, we are also over on Patreon. We got the great Metroid area ranking that is rolling on. Speaking of uh, areas like this. Um, we have, uh, we have tons of different stuff going on. We have a new Instagram account that, uh, I feel like I should probably plug more. We're over on threads. We have a song available for download on Bandcamp, our theme that Duminal commissioned. We got so much stuff going on that it's hard to plug all of it at the end of the show. But, uh, of course we would love if you joined us along for the ride, wherever you get your podcast, check out omegametro.com. We are going to get out of here, but until next week, everybody take care. <laughs>